3: This podcast is brought to you by Shelter Insurance, recently ranked highest in customer satisfaction among auto insurers in the central region four out of five years in a row by J.D. Power. Shelter Insurance. We're your shield. We're your shelter. And by Socket. Socket Fiber is now available. The fastest, most reliable internet combined with local service and simple billing. Contact Socket today for voice, data, and internet services for your home and business. 1-800-SOCKET3 or visit socket.net. Also by Raceline. With over 30 years of turnkey project execution, Raceline is an industry leader in engineering, manufacturing, and installation of modular process systems.
2: Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here's Matt Michaels and Brad Trenago.
3: And welcome in. It is another rousing edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast on location this week as I, Matt Michaels, am in sunny Florida, sunny South Florida, in fact, to uh, follow the Mizzou baseball team as they get ready for a series at Florida International. At the time we record this podcast, Brad Trinago is in Columbia. But you know what? Sometimes the video gremlins just get us, Brad, and sometimes we're just able to do what we normally do, which is just talk on end and someone turns on the recorder and and then you get the benefit of that for some sort of human consumption. So we're, we're kicking it old school today, and that's fine with us. Old school uh, remotely. I don't know if that still
1: applies, but close enough. Understood. Uh, you know, and you, you brought up a good point. You know, sometimes the video gremlins get you. Sometimes you're on the road. Sometimes you're too lazy to shave before the, the Zoom call and the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. There are a variety of factors.
3: Too lazy, is that like an official, like if we went to the NBA, would DNP, too lazy to shave, actually show up on the game report? Because we have had DNP old from Greg Popovich before. It's load management for my razor. (laughs) Yes. I think that's a very good way of putting it. That is the sportsy way of putting it. Um, So what we're going to do today is give you something a little bit different. Um, We will, of course, have conversations about the great weekend that was for Mizzou Athletics and the fantastic and much needed Tuesday night for the men's basketball team. But we'll start things off with um, a, a pretty long-ranging conversation and maybe a little bit different conversation than we normally have with Steve Beezer because after a weekend at the college baseball showdown in Arlington in which Missouri was one of college baseball's national stories with a two and one record wins over almost kind of sort of ranked Texas and absolutely definitely top 15 ranked TCU Uh, the Tigers are two and one maybe played the best overall baseball of any team at the event of all the six that were there and uh, certainly got their flowers. So with that in mind, we'd already planned on speaking with Steve Beezer about previewing the season. And we kind of got a little review and preview in for those fans who are looking to find out a bit more about how things went down at Globe Life Field, the home of the Texas Rangers. So uh, we'll have that for you now. This is me with Steve Beezer just a couple of days ago. We recorded this on Monday right after everything was all done down in Texas. And then we'll uh, come back and have a little conversation with you about everything else going on with Mizzou Athletics. So now please enjoy this uh, conversation and season preview for Mizzou Baseball with their head coach, Steve Beezer. And we are joined right now live on tape from the road by the head coach of Missouri Baseball, Steve Beezer, following a very successful 2-1 and weekend at the college baseball showdown at Globe Life Field. But as much as anything, Steve, it is a young season, so we're excited to see where this team goes and certainly some exciting results to start it. So first of all, congratulations to you and your club.
2: Well, yeah, thanks, Matt. It's, uh, you know, it it was an exciting weekend. And like you said, a young club in a young season. And and, uh, I say young club because it's just they're new to each other. And just to see how they're competing against the opposition, it it was really exciting to watch.
3: Yeah, there is there is youth in terms of just age, and there is youth in terms of experience, and what you have is an experienced group. You kind of pulled your team together from a bunch of different places. You have freshmen, you have returners, you have transfers. What was that like trying to get a group together that could go out and compete this year? What was going through your mind when you and your staff tried to assemble it?
2: Yeah, I think first we had to identify what was the personalities that we had and and who was returning and what would really match up well uh, with the group that we have returning and I I would say you know the returning group they're a very serious group uh, they they're not real raw raw type of group and and we wanted to bring in some of that uh, but we also wanted to bring in guys that was just very similar and and uh, and just because we knew that that would mesh a lot quicker and being able to find those guys and and really just tell our you know whether it's a transfer or a freshman like this is who we are and this is uh, this is what we're trying to set out to do and and uh, if this is if this fits you then then we're very interested in you we've seen your we've seen you on the field we know you can play the game but we also want you to fit into the culture that we have here and and really be able to mesh with the guys we have and i think we've been very pleased with how that's gone so far You know, something in my conversations with you and your
3: staff that has come up several times through the fall and the spring is just how much this team has meshed. Is that something that you felt happened right away when everybody decided that this was the place they wanted to be for this season? Or or did it take a little bit of coming together? Was there a moment in which everybody started to realize what this could become for just them as a group and, and relating with one another?
2: Yeah, I would say it definitely took a little bit of time uh, because they're feeling each other out. They're trying to, you know, the new guys are coming in, and and uh, and they were such good quality young men that they didn't want to step in any toes. You know, they 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 kind of tiptoed in and made sure that they they were wanted to be leaders on this team. And I think the guys that were here embraced them and said. You know, yeah, we we want to do this together, and and I think that's what we've been so pleased with is seeing how they just continue to morph into this group of guys that really care for one another. And you know, we talk a lot in our program about being you know mission first. Now, uh, you know, we're we're all trying to early on in fall you're competing for spots and what's your spot going to be on the team, and and now that the season hits, it's a it's a team thing. And what are how are we going to help this team? And and I saw that this first weekend. I mean, just examples of Trey Morris who who you know arguably he, he belongs in our lineup somewhere and we got to figure out how he we fit him in a lineup but him just staying patient and coming off the bench last night is just a just such a professional approach that he used and we talked about you know why weren't you starting game three and those types of things before the game and I, and I told him I said you're going to you're going to impact this game and obviously he comes in and impacts the game in a big way and and that's because it's not about Trey it's it's about how do we help this team win this year and that's what we're looking for guys that want to help the team uh first and and it seems that we got a good mix there
3: well you use the example of your senior out of columbia missouri trey morris but even thinking of the impact of say a juju stevens referring to that sunday night game against tcu mm-hmm. that got a lot of attention i mean you have center stage and roslovich hits a big double for your team early on and then he goes out of the game with injury and you're calling po- upon juju who has had limited action himself to be underneath the spotlight and be in that role to help your club, and he certainly did right from the jump.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Juju—he's a good player, and and we were, you know, as a coaching staff, we're sitting here. How, how do we get Juju Stevens in the lineup and Trey Morris, uh, and and the, all these guys in the lineup because we we feel like we've got a you know a good group of guys there that can handle that. And Juju had to stay patient because he had arguably one of the best. Uh, preseasons that we've seen. You know, he had four home runs just in the preseason, and, and we knew that we needed that component in our lineup. I mean, and, and here he goes. You know, first at bat, he cranks one to the warning track at 405 feet at 106 or whatever exit velo that was, which is out of most parks that we're playing in this year, but just not out of that big league park. But uh, but he comes through with big hits. And, and again, like he – you know, nobody that, you know, nobody really wants to be playing off the bench. They want to be in the everyday lineup. But you just got a lot of guys that really understand right now. And, and they're very, you know, I, I I would say like self-reflection is good on this team, that they understand where they are right now. But they also know that in a moment's notice, like it could be their number and they're staying engaged and staying prepared for that. And, and yes, we're only three games in. And, you know, how do you make this last throughout the course of the year? And, and that's a balance that we're going to have to really work on.
3: I think something you kind of referred to there by speaking about Morris and Stevens, and we'll talk about a bunch of individuals probably as we go along here, but is the depth of your club. At both the positions and on a pitching staff, I felt what I was watching in the lead up to this season was a team that had more depth to pull from and a team that had different ways to play in different positions. And it sounds like you were trying to find ways to utilize some of that depth, which is a good problem to have, I'd imagine, for a manager. When did you realize that that was a problem you were going to have this season of the depth of this team being one of its core strengths?
2: Well, number one, I think that's what every coach hopes is that the depth is an, an issue because you've got so many guys that you want to get in the lineup as opposed to not having the depth and really not having great choices. And, and we felt uh, early on that we could go too deep at every position, and some days it's just going to be a flip of the coin on who we call, you know, what number we call or uh, what what's the best matchup for the, for the team. And and that's a good problem. Uh, you know, I think we're still looking at that now. Um, the, 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 how do we work all that in uh, and on pitching staff side I think you know we're, we're balancing between who are the starting pitchers on this staff and who are the bullpen Uh, And one of the things that, that, you know, Rick and I both talked about was, you know, we want to have a good bullpen. I think we got crushed out of the bullpen last year in a lot of different situations. And, you know, when you get down to the end of the game, players are really pushing hard to win that game. And the same token, whenever you start off a game, players are really locked in. So you got to be good on both ends of starting in the bullpen. And I think we still uh, we got we got enough individuals there. But how do we mix them in and what's it going? Who's going to start? Who's going to close? Who's going to be those those bridge guys? and and we still gotta find those roles and people will still identify those roles by how they perform.
3: You have to balance that too at the begin beginning of a season, don't you, with just how an individual is ready to perform at that level i mean can you give me three innings can you give me one solid inning you want to get everybody as progressed as possible in the lead up to the season and you have a month to do that and off-season plans it's it's really a -a 12-month-a-year sport now for these guys but how does that shake itself out really in the non-conference portion of play in the first month of a year
2: yeah, and, and Ricky asked me that question, you know, today, like, what what does this look like? And, and I said, you know, by, by week four, like, we got to kind of be who we want to go into conference play with. We can't just have our, you know, a starter have his first start in, against Tennessee on our first conference weekend. So we got to continue to assess that. We got to continue to... Uh, look at: Do we have five-inning guys, or do we have six or seven-inning guys as starters? Or, or, you know, is this going to be uh, piggyback situations where we're going to have to piggyback a lot? Where we got you know three and four-inning guys, that, and, and we do know that the, we got guys very capable of doing that. But the balance, uh, you know, and Ricky's challenge is how do we keep these guys built up to to be able to make a move in, in another two two and a half weeks to maybe you know shake some things up. But you know the whole the whole part of the the non conference schedule that you play before conferences. Finding that out, finding that right balance, because we can look at the arms and we can look at uh, how guys are throwing in, in the fall and how they're throwing in the preseason. But there is a total different beast whenever you lock up against a different opponent. There's more pressure. How do they respond to uh, that type of pressure? And, and, and we got to continue to assess that to see who's best you know, for that role.
3: You know, even taking you back to your season opener against Oklahoma State, not sure if you considered it a piggyback situation coming in. But Chandler Murphy, with his mix of pitches, starts the game for you guys, have one bit of a tough luck inning, go against him. And then Tony Newbeck comes in behind him and and really kind of steals the show of that game. I mean, a lot of people were turning heads at what Tony was able to produce. So if you look at a player like Newbeck, How do you get that sort of feel of where that's going to be best used, maybe on a particular weekend? Because if he has the stuff going the way that he does and providing, say, a different look from someone with a big mix of pitches like Chandler Murphy, that can only serve to the benefit of your defense and staff.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a a tough one right there because, you know, Tony – is so successful out of the bullpen if we look up his stats from when he was in the bullpen in year one and what he you know he came out of the bullpen again and he's just so effective coming out of there uh and i almost look at him he's two different types of pitchers one when he starts and one when he comes out of the bullpen and and uh but he, he's showing the capability of having a four-pitch mix and throwing strikes and, and competing really well that you know potentially he could belong in, a, in the starting rotation too and that's always the balance of what serves best you know we we like Chandler Murphy and, and know that Chandler Murphy is going to be a really good fit uh, in that starting role and and we're really excited to see what it looks like you know in a second outing it, it, like you said it you know he didn't help himself that inning but he had some really tough luck in that one inning that, that kind of got away from us there and it, it, it was part of the you know we just weren't able to come back from that and, and when you look at the grand scheme of things that was you know if we take that one inning away we're probably sitting three and zero right now and feeling pretty good about ourselves
3: you know I, I can say the same of the starts that were provided by Ian Losey who had a very hot start and then ran into a little bit of trouble against Texas and then Javen Pimentel as well who again found himself maybe needing to find the strike zone a bit on the night, but you guys were able to back up in in each of those games with very quality performances uh, all throughout the middle innings, which I think, as you mentioned, last season sometimes was a struggle for your team against higher level competition, but you had the formula working this past weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really hard, you know, last year to to get to survive the middle innings to get to the guys that could actually close it out last year. So, you know, I think the difference is this year is it, it is tough coming out as a starter, especially when you're looking around and you're seeing all these other quality arms uh, around you and those three starters are feeling some pressure because they're like, oh, you know, coaches decided that we're the three starters and, and now we've got this, you know, lots on our shoulders when they, now they should be realizing like, hey, it's not all a, all on our shoulders. We got some really good guys behind us. We just got to go out and do our job we can't try to do too much we you know we're in this role and understand like whether you're starting whether you're coming out of the bullpen Every out matters, every inning matters and and just getting guys to buy into that concept. Like don't put so much like, hey, I'm a starter and I got to run this thing out for seven innings and give ourselves a chance to win. No, just go out and do your job for, you know, as long as that you're you're up to it and you're and you're feeling good, and then we'll make the decision to go to the next guy. But I think we'll start seeing guys, you know, my hope is is seeing this next go-around that they'll relax a little bit and compete through the zone more often. I think we're, you know, at times they're trying to trying to be too perfect or throw unhittable pitches where this weekend you win by throwing hittable pitches. We're in a big ballpark and there's not going to be many home runs and we got a great defense behind them. If you throw more strikes, then your, your success is going to be a lot better whether they put the ball in play or whether you strike guys out. So I think still getting young arms to understand that is always a challenge at the college level.
3: We'll put a bow on kind of the pitching preview by going through some, I really think, two other standout performers that we have to mention. Zach Franklin went on the hill not only to finish things out on Friday and give you guys a chance to have an opportunity to tie the game against Oklahoma State late, but then against TCU, he had himself in line for the win. TCU, give him credit, got the big hit against him. And then he found himself again. And when the offense gave him new life, he looked like a renewed Zach Franklin and, and up there in pitch count after pitching just two days earlier he showed veteran leadership there I, what, what can you speak to the, the character of that transfer you pulled in from the Carolinas?
2: Yeah I mean you, you've seen the arm it's a special arm it's 95 97 and he's got you know three other good off speed offerings and, and you, you saw how he competes and he, he really uh, you know relishes that role like he, he's built for that role and, and can handle the ups and downs of it but uh, it was really big to see what he's able to do after giving up the, you know, we get two and we're feeling pretty good. He strikes out the side the inning before. It's like, okay, game over. You know, he's going to go out and all he's got to do is throw the ball through the zone and all of a sudden he hits a guy and couple walks later we're we're scrambling and then he gets down to one pitch away from getting out of this and and just really probably the the only bad pitch that he you know other than once he got to that point it was just the only bad pitch he made at that time and just a a ball that got too much of the plate and they were able to roll a ground ball through a hole and and that's baseball but to see him come back with a one-run lead the next inning and be able to do what he did you know is pretty special because his pitch count was getting up and he was he's the only guy that's had two appearances in one weekend and you know you look at some other teams and there's several guys that you know we ran out there twice on the weekend and and one of our goals was knowing that we have some depth is, is to try not to have to run anybody out multiple times in a weekend and weekend one so that we can continue to build these guys but um, no just a really special guy that's that's going to be you know he can serve a lot of different roles for us this year. A
3: kind of a different side of the same coin is is a pitcher who will probably serve that closer's role for you as well this season in Rorick Maltrude. He got the win because of some help from his friends in the walk-off victory over Texas but you think about what experience does for a player and he used his experience to full effect to make sure that your team had a chance to tie and eventually overcome the long or to hang on to the lead rather against the Longhorns.
2: Yeah, I think you said it best, the experience that both Franklin and 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 Rourke have is that uh, they've been there before. They've done that. They understand, you know, it's about getting the outs in those situations. That you can't make them bigger than what they are. You just go out and do your job and and uh, when you throw the ball through the zone, you're going to be in good shape. And that's you know, Rourke and, and Franklin both came here to, to be starters. They wanted to be starters and, and they both realized and whenever we told them like, hey, you're going to help this team a little bit better uh, down, you know, early on anyway of, of coming out of the bullpen and helping us secure victories when we got a chance to do that. And, and it worked out well for both of those guys. They kind of See, like that, yeah, valuable role. I need, I need to, to grab a hold of that and just be ready to tackle that anytime I get that opportunity. And you know, I think it's gonna, it's a little different for Rourke because Rourke has always been a starter. And uh, you know, him, big thing is how do we get him to bounce back? You know, the next day and on a weekend. Once we get him in, in that type of shape.
3: And of course, it it wouldn't be a conversation without mentioning a freshman debut for Sam Horn. You had alluded to the fact that he was going to be able to help this ball club. He didn't just help them. You wouldn't have had a victory against TCU without the three innings he was able to give you. And I think what was so striking was not just the stuff, which we knew had very good quality to it, but the poise he showed in controlling that game against a high-powered offense when it was his first time out there on a college mound.
2: Yeah, sure didn't look like his first time out there on a college mound. And, and and I, you know, attribute a lot of that to just, you know, being through a full season of SEC football. Uh, it's not like he's a true rookie. He's been through that competition. He's seen, you know, his teammates of what that looks like. And, and he just, you know, he he looked professional out there he 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 was able to control a running game we knew that you know the one thing we were we were actually looking for the right spot to put Sam in and and because of the way that these guys run and having to control the running game in a defensive game and he hasn't had a lot of time with us in practice and and quite frankly, the even understanding our entire system, like we weren't sure does he totally understand it, but you know, we were able to put multiple picks on and he and he does a great job of working himself out of, of a, a little jam there with getting the you know some speed guys on. So uh, but just to see the stuff we knew that, you know, and I told you, like, he's special, like the the stuff coming out out of that right arm is is very legit. It's very solid. And he's going to be uh, a big piece to what we're going to do this year. And and, uh, you know, ideally, it's, it's just continuing to give him those innings, keeping getting him built up and then just keeping the balance between uh, him being double duty right now.
3: Yeah. And the pitching overall seemed like, while not perfect, a highlight for your team, at least from the perspective that we had in terms of the balance of play. You'd want it to be better. You'd want to cut down on the free passes. But when you assess it, what do you think from weekend one?
2: Well, I think I think the big thing for it is like, yeah, we've got good stuff because batting average against us is not very good. But the issue is the you know the, the percentage of the leadoff batters that are getting on, and we know that you know a leadoff batter gets on there's about a forty two percent chance that guy's going to score. So that's where we're giving up our runs, and we're giving up our runs on free passes. We got to go through the strike zone more, you know, the hit by pitch, the, the walks, you know, we got to limit those because uh, we can strike guys out as well. But we we got to limit some of those things. those freebies that we've been given and most of the freebie stuff has come on the mound you know even the errors you can look like we the errors are coming from the pitching staff right now and and they're very capable uh, but those are things that we just got to clean up a little bit but you know overall we know that uh, we can put this together on a pitching staff and be really solid on the mound
3: Now, it it doesn't matter if you don't score runs and you don't get base hits and you don't have an offense to put pressure on the other team. And your offense, I felt, was a pressure style of offense. I'll ask you generally, first of all, Coach, how confident are you in this group's ability to execute some of the things you want them to execute as an offense?
2: Yeah, I'd say first of all. Offensive execution comes from one, to. I mean, they're they're very skilled, and you know, I think today people just want to be able to go up the the plate and take three big swings and see what happens. and And uh, that is not this. That's not the, going to be the identity of this ball club. I mean, you know, the one thing that uh, you know people ask, well, where's, where's your power going to come from? And and I don't think you have to have that. You know, three or four guys that hit twenty home runs that would be wonderful if you, if you had that. But we've got guys that that can have a little sock, you know, and be that five to, to seven home run type guy but uh, the identity is going to be what you saw this weekend and I think we can be even better than that like we got to be able to handle the bat and we got to be able to take advantage of defenses that that really aren't very solid and I think we were we were able to exploit a couple things because we had skilled offensive players and you think about a cam chick who's a a tone setter uh, being able to bunt you know being able to do those things and Ty Wilmsmeyer that you know can get that bunt down the third baseline, and, and we've seen like it doesn't have to be down the third baseline. If you just put it out there a little bit away from somebody, he's going to outrun everything else, and and then you see the other the rest of the guys be like, okay, hey, this really works, you know, and they're kind of getting behind it. So I think just continuing to put that pressure style offense against teams because they have to prepare for it. And, you know, they just can't walk in and say, well, we're just going to pitch and we'll catch the ball. But they got to prepare for everything whenever they're going to face us.
3: Of course, if we talk about some thump, a lot of people look at Luke Mann. He had a fantastic finish to the season last year. The rest of the Southeastern Conference took notice. Uh, Folks have talked already about a first team preseason Mm All-SEC is a very high honor at a position like third base but when you look at what he's capable of doing, as you used him from the top of the lineup this weekend, where are the places where you can see him setting the tone and also providing some of the big hits that we did see from him in that one spot all weekend long?
2: Yeah I think the key is there is he's had you know he had some big hits this weekend and he had you know whether that was an inning starter or whether that was capping off you, know, you know, two run home run whatever that might be uh, I think we can continue to see that outlook. I think the biggest thing for him to understand is not to, ha- to try to take all that pressure on himself that he has to do it himself. And if we can keep him from doing that, and we can keep the bottom of our lineup doing, you know what? They, what we talked to, hey, here's how you're going to be super productive for us. So, you know, we don't want Luke. Luke Man's our leadoff hitter, but we don't want him leading off an inning. Like he only does that one time a game. Like we got to turn that. We got to turn that lineup over and make sure that Luke is not leading off the rest of the innings of the game. And that, the more opportunities he gets the better we're going to be. So I think JC's done a pretty good job down there. And Ty's been phenomenal down at the bottom of the order of just, you know, he's always on base and that's what we need is whenever we turn it over. You got a guy, a speed guy on the base and now Luke's up and now they got to, am I going to throw a ton of breaking balls to Luke or am I going to have to come at him because Ty is going to steal two bases if, you know, if we, if we handle it that way. So just continue to, to get guys to buy in like it's an offense. It's not, it's not about just hitting. It's, an, it's a complete offense. And, and if we can do those things, we can continue to score a lot of runs.
3: Well, you mentioned Wilms Meyer by name. And I think that he understands what his game is and has offensively since really working his way into the lineup last season but having all of the tools in an offseason to work on that to find the different ways to get him on base instead of the patient eye that we know Mm -hmm. he has instead of the willingness to maybe take a pitch and wear one like we've seen your team do successfully last season how has he grown in being able to do those different things to put himself in the best position to help the club on offense
2: yeah, I'd say biggest thing is just maturity of really understanding um, who he is as as an offensive player and and understanding like how well his speed plays. And, and also understanding and having the confidence that he is a good hitter I mean we've seen him take some of the best at bats and you know the best, his, his two strike approach is totally improved this year than what it was last year and he's got a little thump in the bat like he, he can jump on you if, you if you're not careful with him and, and turn the ball around and you know plant one in the seat so uh, just continuing like his confidence it just seems to continue to build and build and we know he's a very comp, confident outfielder like he loves to play his defense and he loves to make sure that no ball is hitting the gaps and whenever he's playing there. So I think that confidence is really feeding him and, and he just has to keep doing what he's doing and not try to do any but any bit more.
3: You mentioned Cam Chick. We could mention Hank Zeisler the same way. We could mention Matt Garcia who played fine defense mm-hmm. as well as being productive as an offensive player this weekend. When you look at the transfers who have made their way at least into the first weekend and we know that others will get their opportunities to have impacts for you guys in the field what has stood out about that group and the injection that they've given to the core that you've had and, and some of the freshmen you knew were coming
2: yeah, it's, it's all about the, our identity. I mean, Cam Chick fits it perfect. He came in and, and started to do those little things early. And then, you know, he's talking to me about how he loves to play that type of game and, and wasn't always sure that, you know, he didn't have a green light whenever, you know, at Nebraska, like he had to be told and they didn't want to run. And and here, I, like, we're taking his skills away from him if we're not allowing him to do those things. And, and then Hank Zeisler, who's just flying around the field and just the, the ultimate team player and communicator and and uh, and just does things right like those are special pieces in your lineup that you know they're there to help the team win and you know that it it was it was tough you know game number one I mean I think that the difference for us in not winning that game is Cam Chick I mean he's totally sets a different tone when he's in our lineup Uh, so like that that really changes things and it makes people defend us a little bit different so uh, just really like the way that they came in, and like you mentioned, Garcia. Garcia has been really good in the fall. You know, I think he's pressing a little bit right now offensively, but he's, but he's not. It's not spilling over to his defense. He's he's made some really nice plays and game-changing plays defensively as well. Well, and that's not to mention Dylan Leach. He caught the first
3: three games, was removed for Trey Morris, and it turned out to be a a productive move for the ball club in game number three. But, hey, he's already won you a ball game. You can look right at it. He comes up in the big spot, delivers a big extra base hit, gives you guys a win over Texas, and starts this thing a rolling. And and the thing that I think most about him is he injects a want-to-win into your lineup and into your team.
2: Yeah, I couldn't say it better than that. Like this guy is he, he's a he's the field general out there. He's communicating well. He's bringing energy. And that want to is, is really big for him, like he, he's getting after it. And and I think we'll see him uh, as he continues not to keep adding extra pressure on himself, like I got to do more, I got to do more. Uh, and I think that's that's always early in the season, everybody thinks they have to do more. And, and, and one of the things, the things that I've talked to guys constantly is like, just be you. If everybody, you just be you, you're going, we're going to be a really good team. You can't try to do more. Then you're capable, but because the team, we all have different unique abilities, and if we just use our abilities together, we're going to be really powerful. But if we become one as an individual, then we're going to be really struggling.
3: A couple other questions before we finish up here on kind of, I don't know, a review and preview, because it's still so early in this baseball season. Uh, everybody's asking about the new rules in college baseball regarding the action of the game, the speed of the game. There's a 20 second clock on the pitcher, there's essentially a 10 second clock on the batter. We've seen it come to the fore already across college baseball. It will probably get less clunky than it was this weekend. Do you see that as potentially being an advantage for a well-coached team that's willing to adjust to the rules because they're not going away instead of being something that is viewed as a burden to what has already gone on in the game of college baseball?
2: I totally agree with, with the comment. Like, you know, the first thing when we heard I mean, you hear a lot of people complaining, like whether, you know, leave the game alone, there's nothing wrong with it but you know when, when it comes down to, to me and how I want to co- coach my club is like hey tell me the rules and we'll figure out how to use them to our advantage and number one is being prepared and I think if you you watch how our group was prepared you know that our pitches are getting in the pitcher's got his pitch as soon as the ball leaves his hand you know we have a plan so the, the pitch is coming in as the ball's leaving his hand for the pitch he just made so he's he's not having to wait for anything he already knows his pitch and that's a lot quicker system than what we've done before, when a catcher is signaling those in, and you know you wait for the batter to get in the box to signal signal all that in, and and then you've got the 20 second clock, the 10 second clock. I think it's just something that we got to get used to. Uh, it's each guy's different because each guy has their own routine, and they've been doing this routine for years, and now they're telling, hey, you got to speed it up a little bit. So I think you use it to your advantage, and and there are there are ways to use it to your advantage, and it's just now getting consistent. You know, the SEC is going to have. You know, more of the major league rule type that, uh, rules and, and other leagues are not going to be, it, you know, when we play this weekend, you, it may not hardly be noticeable, you know, so it'll be interesting.
3: Yeah, it, not everybody is necessarily at the same place, even though they're playing under the same rules. So we'll see how that shakes out at, at about this weekend to come against Florida International. There are challenges in playing three games in three days against three different teams, scouting report Mm -hmm. and what it may be. There are different challenges in playing the same team that can adjust between game one, two, three, and in this case, four, to test the depth and breadth of your ball club. What do you think will be important after having success in weekend one to take a long weekend two and have it be just as successful?
2: Yeah, I think the, the toughest thing is, is weekend one when you had three separate teams and three good separate teams to prepare for. And you want to make sure that you're more prepared than the other team. So that that takes a lot of time, dedication to be able to, to do that. It's a lot of late nights of putting the next scouting report together for the, the game that's coming up the next day. Uh, our schedule here was pretty good for us. Like we, we had, you know, we had each day we got a little, a couple extra hours. So in those couple extra hours of preparation definitely helps. But, you know, now as you go into a weekend, a, a long, a four-game uh, stand with a team, the challenges are of, of just you got to stay locked in. You can get complacent in those games uh, if, if you're not going at each game with. With full preparation, and that's the thing that that'll be our challenge this weekend. How do we go in and, and we, you know, we take one game at a time, and we stay focused on that game, and, and we don't get ahead of ourselves, or we don't overlook our opponents. And uh, because we know that we know that our plan and and the preparation is going to be good, but now we got to go in and execute that. And that's the young season on a longer road trip. How does the team respond to that? So there's all sorts sorts of challenges that come our way. But part of this is by design that you want to be able to you know late in the season we're going to have. Have these these stretches where we're playing multiple different teams every day and that's when it's championship baseball and, and we're going to be used to being on the road so this this type of trip really helps your team because they have some experience to draw back how do we handle that you know in weekend one
3: other than winning them all and have an entire roster full of all sec players what does success look like for steve beezer's tigers this season
2: well, I think it's continuing what, what we've seen in weekend one. It's just the fight of the team. It's that never-give-in attitude, uh, and, and they've, they've approached that really well. The, these guys competed all weekend long, and, you know, I think we were – it was so close to being a 3-0 and weekend for us, and I thought we outplayed our opponents And how do we clean the things up that need to be cleaned up because there it wasn't like we were perfect. We made, a, we made plenty of mistakes, and we did some things that, that we know that were definitely better in those categories than what we showed. But the success just continue. You see continued improvement game after game after game. And and if we can continue to do those things, I think we can be a very dangerous club.
3: I will say the pitch clock adjustment has manifested itself in one way. I have not seen a pitching coach run to the hill with such abandon as Ricky Meinhold. So he knows he's on a 30-second clock now. Did, did you tell him during the interview process, hey, man, they might be changing the rules. You got to get your running
2: shoes on? Yeah, I think the big thing, like you know, we're we're reading the SEC rules of what we're going to have when we get into SEC play. So it is only thirty seconds. Like you got to go out and you got to be done by, in thirty seconds. And he's trying to get his time clock down for whenever we get into SEC play that we only have thirty seconds out there. So, and most of the time, it's you know he, he's a very positive pitching coach. He's going out there with an encouraging word, trying to get him back, and I'll give him just a slight blow and get him going there. But, but uh, yeah, he he's very efficient with those mound visits. I know that. <laughs> Coach's workouts are now a part of the routine in the Southeastern Conference and college
3: baseball. And uh, the routine's been working so far for the Missouri Tigers, a weekend at Florida International to come. Head coach Steve Beezer with us. We appreciate uh, looking back at a fine weekend, at a fun weekend in Arlington, and what's to come for your team this season. And we will be uh, ready to watch and enjoy it along with you guys.
2: Yeah, no doubt. We're excited to get in the weekend, too, and
0: uh, just keep this thing rolling. A shield against the elements. Comfort in the midst of chaos. Shelter in the aftermath of destruction. For 75 years, Shelter Insurance has remained true to our promise to be there when you need us most. This is the heartbeat of our company, our why. And throughout our history, it has never wavered. Shelter Insurance. For your auto, home, and life. We are your shield. We are your shelter.
3: You know, that was maybe a a bit in the weeds with Coach Beezer, who we really appreciate joining us uh, for all that time on the podcast. I had set up a mic situation to try to limit handling noise, so hopefully there were no big pops or or bounces or or whatever the case may be. But any port in a storm from the road, I hope you didn't hear the vacuum going on in the hotel lobby (laughs) while we were recording that uh, from Dallas But but the thing I take away from this Missouri baseball team maybe segues a bit into Missouri basketball. It's a bunch of guys who want to be there. There is some new there is some established and there is some veteran from other places. And all of those things came together to create a product for baseball over the weekend that was certainly top 25 worthy. And we see the same thing with men's basketball and see it now towards the end of the season in that game against Iowa, against Mississippi state. Don't know why I had Iowa on the brain. Forget about it. That, that, that showed you just the strengths of having a group like that. Everybody wants to be there. You got plenty of experience from a bunch of different places, and it can turn out a result that you want to have when you really need to have it. And I think Mizzou baseball, in terms of their non-conference, needed to have at least one win and hopefully a couple out of Arlington. And boy, Tiger Men's Hoops Brad had to have their win over Mississippi State, and my goodness, they got it. Certainly did, yeah.
1: Sixty-six to
3: sixty-four in
1: overtime was the the final on Tuesday night. Just a terrific game. Again, it comes down to the very end, and this time it was Nick Honor who was the hero. He hit the game-winning three-point shot with about eight, eight seconds left, and then Mizzou able to get a stop at the other end to close it out. You can hear Mike Kelly's call, by the way, of the final few seconds of that game on Tuesday night at our Twitter feed, at Mizzou Radio, at Mizzou Radio, if you want to hear the final call of that contest. So the starting point guard, he finished with six of his ten points coming in overtime. He also had a three early in OT, so kind of bookended the extra session with some clutch, clutch buckets. I was filling in for you on the wrap-up show. Matt had a chance to talk with assistant coach Kyle Smith-Peters, and he told me post-game that head coach Dennis Gates told Kobe Brown in the locker room to not ever put your head down, Kobe. And and I, I feel like that mentality spreads out throughout the entire team. So, you know, Kobe Brown finished leading the team with 17 points, but he had a, a missed free throw down the stretch. And then right at the end of the game, a terrifically designed inbounds play finished with Kobe Brown right underneath the basket, and, and he was not able to finish at the end of regulation, and that's why they ended up going to overtime. But uh, again, that mentality of of always keeping your head up and, and always being ready, and that I think allows Mizzou to go very deep into its bench when necessary in crunch time. And you have a guy, again, like Mabor Majak who is playing some clutch crunch time minutes, especially for his defense when you're going up against a terrific post player like Tolu Smith, who still had a double double but wasn't as much of a wrecking ball as he was in the game in Starkville in early February. He had 25 points and 12 rebounds on February 4th. and this game, he finished with 14 and 10. Demoy Hodge was hot early. He finished with 16 points. Mohamed Diara makes his first start. He had five points and four rebounds and some really nice plays, including, you know, challenging Tolu Smith directly. And and you see Diara's potential there. And it, it was really interesting to me anyway. You know, DeAndre Golston has a couple of these highlight reel Buzzer beating shots, but it, it just wasn't Golston's night, to be honest. He wound up not scoring in the game. And so you get to the end of regulation and the end of overtime, and, and he's not even on the floor. And at the end of overtime, Kobe Brown wasn't even on the floor because it was time to go to somebody else. And with a little over a minute to go when Mizzou losing in overtime, Coach Gates subs Brown out, subs Noah Carter in, and Noah Carter immediately hits a three-pointer. So, I mean, it's just pushing the the, the different buttons when necessary to have success. And, I mean, talk about a guy, the, the value of a trey Gomillion to be back in the fold for Mizzou. He played a little bit in the loss against Texas A&M on Saturday after missing the previous seven games due to injury. This was his first game, you know, fully back. And he ends up logging 28 minutes, eight points, 10 rebounds for a Mizzou team that has had its struggles on the glass at times throughout this season. The value of that physical guard who's willing to do whatever is necessary to help his team win, I think it shows up in that 10-rebound number there. And so Mizzou gets a a much-needed win, like you mentioned, Matt. Now 20 victories on the season, eight and seven in the SEC, and and positioned very well now for an NCAA tournament berth with a couple games coming up against a a couple of the worst teams in the conference, to be honest, following the game against a, a Georgia team that I think is still on the NCAA tournament bubble. So if if you can find a way to win at Georgia on Saturday, then you're really in a a really great position. But still with games against LSU and Ole Miss coming up in the final week of the regular season, you got to feel really good about the Tigers' chances to be sitting at 21, 22, maybe even 23 victories heading into the SEC tournament.
3: Well, and if you think about, you know, uh, maybe a theme for our conversation today, it would be wins you really want to have. Baseball, basketball, go back to Mizzou wrestling in that top 10 duel against Iowa State, and the Tigers go out there and win the thing convincingly didn't maybe get all of the individual results that they really would have wanted. too fell, fell to David Carr in what was... I think it was great in terms of the hype of the matchup. The matchup was maybe a little bit underwhelming in terms of the back and forth because Carr got the first takedown and just kind of rode Keegan out. So whatever O'Toole was trying to do, um, it it was just... He was frustrated by David Carr, but that's what really good wrestlers do when they get on top. They don't give you a chance to get a shot in. But Mizzou won the duel and set a lot of its individuals up for success down the road because they got that last great one in. So then now when you talk about NCAA seeding, you get the benefit of that. Uh, You can say the same thing for Mizzou women's basketball. Having to have some wins and finally riding the ship and getting it. And boy, the performance against Texas A&M was exemplary, certainly over the weekend Uh, I'm not saying that Mizzou softball absolutely had to win the FIU Panther Invitational down in Miami uh, the weekend before Mizzou baseball funnily enough has ended up in Miami but it certainly doesn't hurt especially when you have to kind of come back a couple of times the Pitt Panthers gave them trouble in the early innings twice and you feel like Mizzou has to get wins over Pitt if they want to go to some of the places they want to go so it was kind of a hey you got to have it Mizzou Gymnastics With setting the over 6,000 all-time program record in terms of attendance at the Hearn Center, um, you kind of feel like you have to have it against SUNY Lee and Auburn. And I understand that Auburn didn't have their very best on display at all times, maybe made a couple more mistakes, but Missouri had its very best. Jocelyn Moore finally got her 10. Thank goodness someone in the gymnastics gods hurt us and gave Jocelyn Moore the 10 she so rightly deserved for that fantastic vault, which he's stuck now a couple of times in a row. And and the Tigers also very much needed, in my opinion, Brad, a one nine seven plus, And they get a one nine seven four five, which is easily their high of the season. That sets them up in much, much better position for their seating than they were before that one on Sunday. So, I mean... I really think that the theme is for the last seven days, or however long you want to talk about it, Mazoo's gotten what it's needed out of all of its performances that we've kind of gone
1: through individually here. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of individuals, congrats to some people who got a lot of SEC, you know, of the week, love uh, Ashton Judd, SEC freshman of the week in women's basketball. And this is her, her first honor, but I think she's going to be an SEC all Freshman team player for the Tigers. And she has just had back to back her top two scoring games of her young career. She had 17 points in that pivotal win against Mississippi state, the the Mississippi state women kind of similar to the men they're they're, in the mix, in terms of a potential NCAA tournament burst, so a quality team and a quality win that the Tigers got last Thursday in women's basketball and she led that charge with 17 and then on Monday at Texas A&M she adds 16 points and so again that added up to her being SEC freshman of the week and now the Tigers have a a big game Uh, as we're recording this we'll be I'll be heading out of town as well going down to Oxford Mississippi for a game against a really good Ole Miss team that's top 30 in the net rankings Mizzou has kind of worked its way back into the bubble conversation in women's basketball. You get a win against a team like Ole Miss. Now you're really starting to talk, and we'll see where the Tigers end up here. But certainly appear to be playing up some better ball than they were in the mid-stretch in, in terms of conference play, and that'll be a big game coming up on Thursday night on many Tiger Network stations at 6. Mizzou softball, as you mentioned, a perfect run uh, at FIU and six wins total. I mean, don't forget about that Central Florida win. That's a ranked Central Florida team that that Mm -hmm. Tiger softball beat last week on the road. Center fielder Alex Hunold, SEC co-player of the week. She hit 643 in that 6-0 run through Florida that the Tigers softball team just enjoyed. Uh, The always tough Mary Nutter classic is coming up in California next for the Tiger Ladies, a couple ranked matchups against Oregon State and Oregon coming there. And then gymnastics, you mentioned Jocelyn Moore and, you know, all the all the lobbying that, that you've been doing here on the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast and on the uh, gym, gymnastics Twitter trying to, to get some tens for Mizzou athletes finally breaking through. Jocelyn Moore, named SEC Co-Specialist of the Week, and, and as you mentioned, a, a terrific showing there. And that's just the third ten in Mizzou gymnastics history and the first one since 2004 so a terrific accomplishment for more and and like you said Mizzou gymnastics it we, we've been waiting on that that 197 plus team score and, and you get it against a former Olympic gold medalist in SUNY Lee and Auburn
3: yeah uh, and uh, that's not even to say that there was another stuff going on I mean we need to um I think give a little bit of love to and I hope I'm saying his last name right Flevin Secchi am I saying his last name right are you gonna guess that? you underplay- he was
1: recognized um, during the game, and I believe it's Ceechie. Um, so Ceechie. But, yeah, I apologize. I, I didn't listen to my Truman's Pond this past week, so you should uh, on the podcast feed. Yeah, 200 fly SEC champion. That was down in College Station, Texas. So, good stuff for, from him also. And uh, good luck to SEC uh, – pardon me, the Mizzou track and field team. They have the SEC indoor championships in Fayetteville coming up. That's going to be starting on Sunday.
3: I mean, uh, there is too much to keep track of. Like the days of the week when I said that the women played on Sunday and obviously they played on Monday night. Um, So I don't know if you need to buy me like a calendar, like one of those old desk style, very large print calendars, Brad. I know that you have an in with the desk style calendar because you have always purchased one for yourself at your place of work. But if there's any like large type that I need to carry with me and that's like a birthday gift or something, I'll, I'll accept it as humbly as I possibly can. You need it. Well, what you need is a personal assistant
1: and I'm kind of surprised. I mean, with the, with the stature that, that you have built up in, in terms of, you know, driving the inside Mizzou athletics podcast, being a part of, you know, a Mizzou baseball broadcast in the spring and football broadcast in the fall. I mean, you, you just, you need a a person at your side with a, you know, like a, a, an earpiece, in his or her ear looking very official and serious, who's carrying some sort of notebook, who like whispers in your ear that, you know, Matt, you have an eight o'clock,
3: you know, stuff like that. I, I think that's all you need. I'm going to check to see if that's in uh, the corporate budget and I will get back to you because it is not in the Matt Michaels budget, at least not as of now, when the fiscal year has already started, we can't go back. This is not adjustable at this time, but um, I-, I will take the idea under advisement. The board will have their vote and we'll let you know what about four to six business days. Uh, So that's probably about all we have on the podcast this week, unless I forgot something because I'm always the one forgetting something as made evident by Brad Trinago's insistence that I now need someone to manage my personal affairs.
1: Not really. Just a shout out to our friend Coach Westrup and, and Women's Golf. Good luck to them at the Westbrook Invitational in Arizona. That's going to start on Sunday. And Zoo Tennis has a, a date uh, to the West uh, against the Jayhawks coming up on Friday afternoon. So definitely good luck to them.
3: Yes, that will be another one in the long series to look at and kind of shake your fist at. And hopefully they'll be shaking their rackets in the air after a big dub over that certain team from Lawrence. Well, uh, we've had some fun here today. Again, sorry, uh, none of the video. You don't want to see our smiling faces anyways. But some of the tech gremlins and the road gremlins get to you at uh, just the proper times. So uh, we'll be back in studio with each other soon, but we're glad that you're with us. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Steve Beezer. Thanks again to him. And uh, we hope that you will continue to join us here. Make sure that you like it, subscribe it, tell it to your friends because we're going to keep it going all spring long as the Mizzou Tigers finish out their 22-23 campaign right here on the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast.
2: This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Matt Michaels and Brad Trenago, brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Central Bank Tiger Network.